The Spectator magazine combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, plus a £20 Amazon gift voucher, absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher. Hello and welcome to The Week in 60 Minutes, brought to you on Thursday 23rd of March. I'm Cindy Yu, The Spectator's Assistant Editor. Coming up on the show... Boris Johnson is in the news again, but is his time in the limelight well and truly over? I'll be speaking to Katie Bulls. The pandemic might be over, but it turns out there are over 100,000 children who never returned to school after they were closed during lockdown. What's going on? Harriet Sargent looks at Britain's ghost children for the cover piece this week. She joins me on the show, along with Miriam Cates, MP. From education to policing, the Met Police have received another damning report this week. Is the force beyond repair? Danny Shaw has been looking at the story, and he joins me on the show. And over to the east, Xi has just returned to China after three days in Moscow. Is Chinese neutrality on the Ukraine war slipping? And what else is Xi looking at to get out of his friendship with Putin? Gideon Rackman joins me to discuss. And finally, a crash course on exoplanets. Now, if you have no idea what they are, stay tuned, as astronomer Sasha Hinckley tells me all about them and why there just may be life in outer space. Before we get going, if you enjoy Spectator TV, then do subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just click the subscribe button at the bottom of this video and tap the bell icon so you never miss an episode. And if you want to read more from The Spectator, then why not subscribe to the magazine too? For just £12, you can get 12 weeks in print and online and a free £20 Amazon voucher. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash TV offer to subscribe. First up, we looked yesterday at the trial of Boris on Spectator TV following his Partygate probe. Was the entire day, along with the tiny Brexit rebellion, simply unedifying for the former Prime Minister? With me to discuss is our political editor, Katie Balls. Now, Katie, I won't make you recall everything that went on on Wednesday in Parliament because you and Fraser already did that in that Spectator TV special uh, yesterday. But tell me, is everything that has happened over the course of this week shown that the Boris Johnson supporters, that faction in Parliament, is now a bit of a spent force? Yeah, I think it is fair to say it hasn't been a good week for Boris Johnson. You never quite know if these, you know, the famous Boris Johnson uh, quote, which is, you know, there's no such thing as disaster, you know, only you know, fresh opportunities, fresh disasters, they can often turn from one to the other. Um, so you don't know what's coming around the corner. But I think in terms of this week alone, the Privileges Committee, I would say actually it was perhaps a score draw in terms of uh, Boris Johnson, um, in the sense that there wasn't really a smoking gun which moved the picture on. I think if you already thought Boris Johnson was guilty of deliberately misleading Parliament, um, your opinion probably won't have changed. And if you already thought Boris Johnson was innocent, it was being ganged up on, you could probably also hold that opinion from from how it all played out. And because so much of the evidence was put in advance, Mm. there are tricky questions for Boris Johnson when it comes to uh, his statements to Parliament. He himself has said this week that he did mislead the House. He is just saying that he didn't do so intentionally. Um, and I think what's probably the trickiest thing is the fact that some of his colleagues at the time um, are saying, oh, well, I did say he should, you know, I didn't I didn't give this complete assurance, which you sometimes get the impression from Boris Johnson he's claiming he did get. Um, but in terms of moving things on, um, I don't think it, it moved the dial so much in terms of this, this big session. And what about the Brexit vote then? Because that also happened during yeah. the, the committee hearing and we heard 
uh, in the morning of Wednesday that Boris Johnson is going to vote against. So I think this is actually the more significant in terms of uh, Boris Johnson's position within the Tory party. Of course, the Privileges Committee could lead to, to a by-election, depending on the suspension, so that will have a very material effect of so. But when it comes to the vote on the Windsor framework, I think it's interesting first that you had a situation where Rishi Sunak chose to hold that vote on Wednesday when he knew Boris Johnson was going to be in Parliament. Um, Boris Johnson is not in Parliament every day. Um, and and therefore it was almost, I, I think, you know, some will say, oh, it's just a coincidence. I think these things in politics are rarely pure coincidence. And he was almost saying to Boris Johnson, put your money where your mouth is. You said you don't like this deal. Um, you've got no excuse, either back it or don't back it. Um, he chose to vote against it. But it was quite a small number of Tory MPs voting against it. That's 22. Now, there's lots of different spin going around about what this result means. Um, the ERG, well, at least one figure was suggesting that actually, if you look at the abstentions, so those who did not vote either way, despite being a freeline whip, that's 48 Tory MPs. If you add it up, if you imagine that every opposition MP voted against it, the government would not have a working majority. However, it's always a bit more complicated than that. Um, the abstentions included Grant Shapps, who was a cabinet minister. Um, there, people are allowed to miss the vote through pairing. So there will be some who chose to abstain because they don't like the policy. And there'll be some who just missed the vote for other reasons. Um, and also to choose to abstain around to vote against is a choice. That is choose to, to look, be less of a problem for the government. Mm. And that means there are 22 Tory MPs who either dislike Rishi Sunak or dislike the deal that much. That's not such a bad figure. If you yeah. think in February, there are warnings that up to 100 Tory MPs could vote against vote against um, the, the, any new deal in the protocol. Um, it meant that Rishi Sunak, I don't think, did have to re rely on Labour votes. Well, especially because the DUP and the ERG both explicitly came out against that. Do you think Number 10 was surprised by this, how small the rebellion was? I don't think they were surprised. I, mean, I think that they still would have liked it to be smaller. Um, I think, on a serious point, it is a blow to Rishi Sunak that the DUP have all voted against the Windsor framework. Um, and I think there was a hope that, for example, the DUP leader, would uh, Jeffrey Donaldson, would abstain. Um, and I think that probably matters more than the, the Tory MP rebellion, um, because what does that mean for bringing up power sharing and Stormont? So had the DUP um, you know, decided to abstain from this, it would, you've perhaps had fewer Tory rebels. But this is very far from the disaster, um, which I think it could have been for Rishi Sunak ha had things, uh, you know, tensions ran higher. Yeah, and, and I saw that Steve Baker had been kicked out of the ERG WhatsApp group, is that right? I mean, he's had quite a <laughs> quite a damascene conversion to the Rishi Sunak cause. Yeah, it's just, in a way, it feels a little bit this week as though perhaps reaching a bit of an end of an era on some of the, on some of the Brexit fighting. Now, this could be very famous last words and we'll be back in a few weeks and I'll be telling you all the Rishi Sunak's problems and how the ERG are going to bring him down. But Steve Baker, obviously now a minister um, in government, former head of the ERG, um, has been backing this deal. Lots of people thought he might resign over it. Instead, he's been one of the most passionate mm. defenders of it, saying, look, it might not be completely perfect, but it's the best thing for the people of Northern Ireland. And um, ultimately accused Boris Johnson in an interview on the day of the vote of you know, saying he shouldn't vote against it. He shouldn't be a pound shop, Nigel Farage. Um, now, <laughs> now uh, this led to the ERG kicking him out of a WhatsApp group. And I think uh, in the past, uh, Steve Baker has kicked figures out of WhatsApp groups. Um, but 
ultimately, where does this lead the European Research Group? I think it's partly parliamentary arithmetic, but they just do not, at least for now, hold the same power as they did a few years ago in terms of bellwethers of Tory party opinion. Um, and Katie, I want to find out from you what happens with Boris Johnson from here. But but first, just staying on this idea of Rishi Sunak doing relatively well, is there a feeling in Westminster that actually he is not doomed in the next election, that he's actually doing performing higher, better than people expected? I think it depends who you speak to. I think in Westminster, um, and also as journalists, we could often jump from one extreme to another. So if you think back to perhaps a year and a half ago, when lots of people were predicting um, after local elections, you know, 10 more years of Boris Johnson, um, saying, you know, he's impossible to move, then you get to a situation mm-hmm. where I, it's, I think there's pretty baked in consensus that Labour heading to a large majority. Um, I think what we are seeing is the Tories are not, you know, completely done yet. And we have a situation where actually, you saw it um, after Liz Truss stepped down, there was a point when lots of Tory MPs did look a bit into the abyss and think, you know, what happens if we keep fighting? Mm. And and they didn't like it. And now and then you see them moving back towards it. But I think a period of calm, Rishi Sunak has managed to make the political weather and means that people are reassessing him and thinking that at the very least, the next election will be more competitive than it seemed a while ago. I mean, we had one poll this week that suggested the Labour leave was down to 10 points. Now, other polls suggest that it is nowhere near that and it's still a steady 20-something lead. If you get to a consistent 10 point lead. That's obviously still significant for Labour, but mm. some Labour politicians will start to worry that if they've gone from a 30-something lead to a 10-point, how much uh, you know tighter is it going to get ahead of the next election? Yeah. And does Keir Starmer need to be doing things differently? And finally, in terms of procedure then, Katie, where does Boris Johnson go from here? So we still have quite a wait. Um, I was speaking to, to one figure who thought perhaps after the Privileges Committee it'd be half an hour and then they'd announce their mm. verdict. Um, no such thing. Um, it will take weeks and months, likely. We might not even get um, their report to after the local elections. Really? There's no specific date yet. Um, they will recommend, well, they will say whether or not they found Boris Johnson guilty as charged. Um, and then if they have found him to have intentionally or recklessly misled Parliament, um, they will recommend a punishment. Now, the key thing here is if it is a suspension, is it 10 sitting days or more? Um, if it is 10 sitting days or more, then that would mean that Boris Johnson as vulnerable to a recall petition mm-hmm. that can then pave the way to a by-election. Um, with the punishment, the punishment does have to be voted on in the House of Commons. Rishi Sunak has said that would be a free vote. They're not going to try and tell MPs they have to back Boris Johnson mm-hmm. or not back him. And that's convention with these types of votes. Um, but I think it's very likely the punishment would pass, um, you know, if, if there's not any whipping going on. Um, and then in a by-election, well, let's see. I was trying to, I was talking earlier with some MPs about what could... Um, make things you know, good or bad for Boris Johnson. Um, there are, looking at the polls, a by-election does not look very good for Boris Johnson, but there are quite a few Tory MPs, and these aren't all the hardline Boris Johnson supporters mm. who actually think he could um, you know, potentially be in a yeah. chance of defending it. Um, and, and, I, and I wonder actually, if Boris Johnson somehow won a by-election brought by the Privileges Committee, is that the moment people start to have more enthusiasm? You'd hear all his supporters suddenly saying, see, we told you he's an election winner. <laughs> chosen one. Katie, thank you so much. Next, new figures have emerged that 140,000 children never returned to school after lockdown. Journalist and author Harriet Sargent has spent the last year documenting some of Britain's ghost children, and the think tank, the Centre for Social Justice, has also released a new report on this issue. Harriet's written about it for the cover piece in a magazine this week, and she joins me now, along with Conservative MP Miriam Cates, who sits on the Education Select Committee. 
Harriet and Miriam, welcome to Spectator TV. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, now, Harriet, you've written in the magazine about the plight of Britain's ghost children. 140,000 of them in the country. Well, what's happened to these children? Well, this is quite extraordinary because in 2019, there were 60,000 children um, who were out of school more than they spent time in school. Now we're, you know, how many years are we from finishing lockdown? Mm. And yet the numbers are going up. I mean, last year when I first looked at it, it was 100,000. So this is a quite extraordinary increase. And from all the, the this excellent report from the Center for Social Justice are saying that the figures are going to keep going up because this is a problem that has not been recognized by government and which government are doing nothing about. That's incredible. And it falls on a Center for Social Justice and, and a journalist like yourself to bring into light this, this information. I mean, it's, it is quite shocking, actually. Why do you think the numbers are going up since the end of lockdown? I think that nobody has realized quite the long-term damage that has been done uh, mm. to these kids. I mean, I interviewed uh, an awful lot of them and they seem to fall in two parts. There seem to be those that, and generally these are girls, but not necessarily, that just can't go out of their room. They're just crippled by anxiety. They are really distressed. Um, they, 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 they essentially won't go out of their room. Um, if they do go to school, they manage like one morning and then they go home. And then there are other, the other extreme, mainly boys, but not, not always, who won't go back home, <laughs> who are out on the streets, who are into all kinds of things that they really shouldn't be into and are angry and are bitter and feel that they've simply, I mean, I interviewed one in Stretchham High Street who said, you know, he's he was hoping to get his 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 results to go to college and he never got them and his his dreams are broken and there's young people like this young apprentice all over the country whose dreams have been broken mm. and can't get those years back mm. and miriam as an mp and the mother of three you were one of the few politicians to speak out against mm. school closures during the lockdown i mean is this the